Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Be a part of it with Scott's Menswear, the go-to destination for sports fashion. With a reputation spanning over 30 years, Scott's has a mega brand catalogue featuring Adidas Originals, Nike, Fred Perry, Pretty Green, and many more. Here at RGM, we love the support that they offer us and the music-loving community around us. Check them out at scottsmenswear.com. Melting. Melting. <laughs> Hello. Um, it's warm, isn't it? It's nice. Hot stuff. Hot stuff coming your way on the RGM podcast. Welcome to another week, music-loving people. How are you? Um, hope you've had a nice week. And here's to another um, nice weather to... Uh, I'm recording this on... Sunday, the day before the podcast goes live on Monday, uh, after having an eventful weekend. Um, yeah, let's go. <laughs> Forgot what I'm doing there. Carl, keep talking. You're making a podcast. Damn you. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, be, just do before we go into the usual, uh, giving you an update of what's going on here at our gym HQ. This week, we've got music royalty on the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Clint Boone. What a generous guy. Absolute amazing, you know, talent and the history that he's seen and been part of over the years here in Sony Manchester is just amazing. And we go through loads. So hang around, guys. Clint Boone coming your way very shortly. But Manchester just seems to be so alive at the minute. Um, just seeing all the stuff and the activity that's going on just in Castlefield Bowl at the minute. Uh, we're trying to cover as much as we can. Uh, we recently had Rex Orange County. Uh, we've got a review on there. That's coming out now. Uh, we've covered Sam Fender down there. Libertines. Now, if you're not aware of what this venue is, Castlefield Bowl, it's like a little bowl area uh, in Dean's Gateway down in town. Uh, at the bit, it's a canal basin next to an hotel thing. Um, and the stage is built over the top of um, a canal. It's like over the water. Um, it's such a perfectly designed area for live music. It's great. Um, and there's, there's been pretty much two weeks of just solid tunes coming from down there, which has been amazing. Um, so tell us about your Castlefield Bowl stories, ladies and gentlemen. Tag us into them. Just say, hey, RGM, I went to this one. Um, get involved. It's, it's a nice time of year this time, isn't it? You know, the, the, Glastonbury's done, so that means festival season is well upon us. Um, I'm just getting myself organised for tram lines now. Where I get there on the Thursday and I don't shift till come back come back over to Manchester on the Monday um, so much going on I've got my two gigs at the Frog and, Frog and Pirate on the Thursday and the Friday then I do the main stage Saturday Sunday uh, it's knackering I can't wait 
Uh, you can see the preview for our tram lines. It's got it's got basically a list of all the uh, the fringe gigs that have been managed to find online on there at the minute. I am going to be adding to it. Definitely going to be adding loads. I'm going to be adding a um, a, a walk through the, the the full weekend. So I'm going to tell you and help you. Uh, and for the people that you know don't really know what's on, particularly around the fringe. And stay in tune because we're, we're gonna we're gonna hold your hand through the whole festival and show you what to do so you don't miss out. All right, so bookmark the uh, the tram lines link into your little phone, um, and we've got your back, mate. Yeah, and another major announcement. I teased it a little bit last week. We, we were looking for somebody to help me out on this magazine. As, as it grows and becomes a business, I want to focus on new, exciting areas for the magazine. And I'm only going to be able to do that if I can delegate some work. So we've hired a new live review editor and lesser. She's a new social media manager as well for the magazine. Saffron Rose. Been really, really impressed with Saff. Um, she's just brought so much to the magazine that we reward that and we've hired her to do these two jobs for us which will free up loads of time for me which is great um, I want to concentrate on producing more video content for the magazine because that's the way things are going I think um, so that's where I'm going to be focusing myself Saf's going to pick up the reins and make it her own and find new people over the socials so say hello to her if you see her she's great, she's great and I'm going to concentrate on new, different ways of engaging with you, the people, the music-loving people around us. Sound all right? So, yeah, what a week. Melting. Melting. No, I'm not too bad. Can't com- you can't complain, can you? Uh, the very few days that we get weather like this. If, you, if any of you are out there complaining about it, have a word, mate. Just enjoy it. So yeah, welcome to another week of live music, ladies and gentlemen. It's an absolute and a massive thank you for joining us again. Did you enjoy Den- Jen Dixon last week? Uh, Spangled before that. You know, we had specialising in grassroots music, and there's nobody that's been more supportive of the grassroots music scene over the years as the legend Clint Boom. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I'm going to pass you over to me and Clint. We have a good hour chat for your entertainment. Nice one. See you in a bit. Hey, up, mate. How are you doing, Carl? Nice to see you again. Yeah, you too, mate. Air's looking well. I've just had it cut today, especially for you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> when the last time we, we chatted, four years ago, and the first question I asked you were about your hair. Right. Uh, and I think, I, I don't know if you can remember, I think I asked you if you'd ever have. Elton John cut if it if it started to because you're famous for your hair aren't you so so and and I like my hair I'm protective over it I'm just wondering <laughs> has that changed the funny thing is I'm famous for my hair to the extent where if you go on Twitter and do yeah. uh, a search on Clint Boone yeah eighty percent of the stuff on there is like about my old haircut so there'll okay. be a picture of was it more Morland that used to have a haircut like mine yes. Yes. So there'll be a picture of her and it'll say, like, uh, happy birthday, Clint Boone. So it's always referring to my hairstyle, the old <laughs> okay. ball lad that you saw back then. But the hairstyle that I've got now that I've had for a few years, this is quite, um, gets a lot of people talking as well. Okay. So I've had two iconic haircuts that are completely different than each other. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I like the, the current mod cut suits me. I yeah. think it's a bit thin on top, you know, but it's all right. I got called Mo Molem off the lads with my, <laughs> with my hair cut after you said that. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah, I like it. I mean, it's one of them. It's like, at least people are still talking about me, so I'm, I'm doing something right, or I did something right with that hair cut. <laughs> It was that, that that ball head. I might have talked about this last time. That Good. when I first had a ball head, it was like nineteen eighty. I think nineteen eighty three. Yeah. When I got me my ball head, and back then lads <laughs> in Manchester did not have ball heads. No lad around yeah. here had an haircut like it was a girls' haircut, <laughs> yeah. and that was the bottom line. So I used to get called Purdy, you know, John Alumley. <laughs> okay. Um, and it just a lot of people took the piss everywhere I went, and then within a couple of years, it was like the go-to haircut, wasn't it? Yeah. For, you know, kids that were into a certain kind of music and that. So, yeah, it was. Um, it served me well that that Barnet. <laughs> good on you, good on you. Yeah. Well, we. It, I can't believe it's been four years since we drove about in my electric car that time. It just the world's gone mad since then, hasn't it? Well, it also, yeah, it, it has. And talking electric cars, you were well ahead of the game with that, weren't mm. you? I loved it. I'd, I'd still have one now if it were more affordable. Um, yeah. It's just so frustrating that you know the the price is like for to hire or lease an electric car yeah, I, I didn't want to i didn't want to buy one at the time because i i heard that in seven years time the battery's no good and then you've kind of left if, if you bought one and they're expensive to buy so yeah. i were reluctant to buy one so I, I leased one for four years so and, and went through all the pain of you know not having charging spots all over it's a lot better now when we look about yeah um but now they're just they're nearly triple the cost each month just to lease one which is right frustrating yeah, I think we'll we're, we're just sort of hanging on as long as we can because I suppose every, every year that goes by, the electric car culture will it'll get better, won't it? The, yeah. the technology will get better oh, and yeah. more affordable, hopefully. But for now, we've got a Volkswagen Chiron diesel, yeah, uh, proper uh, ozone damager. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's best we can do at the moment. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great, it's great. So yeah, I, I was just looking through the old. Uh, interviews that we did and yeah. you know on the do if, if you are watching this video i'll put links to those interviews because they were really interested and we talked about loads of stories about inspiral carpets and space came up a lot when we talked about saturn five yeah um and i've got right into like space recently watching a lot of like space documentaries elon musk stuff on youtube and that kind of stuff yeah do you still dabble with with that and the you know what it's like up there oh yeah i'm so fascinated by it mm. Uh, and talking about the Elon Musk stuff, the SpaceX mm. rockets that can now land on the tail, you know, that's incredible. I thought it? that were a cartoon when I first saw it. Yeah, incredible. Just like, and it's not even NASA doing it. It's a, it's a bloke, isn't it? It's Elon yeah. Musk, in it, with all his money. And it's nice to see somebody with that, you know, with that, that kind of unimaginable wealth. Mm. It's nice to see him doing stuff like that that's pushing boundaries forward, you know what I mean? And uh, you know, whatever they say about him, he's he's doing some amazing stuff, that fella, isn't he? Well, he's it's putting stuff into space. Is he, he put a tweet out the other day is that that we're going to see man men on Mars, well, humans on Mars yeah. Yeah, yeah. within our lifetime. Um, so you know, just to have that ambition, and and he's putting satellites all over the world where people yeah. in third world countries can get access to the internet to enrich their lives. Everything he's doing is. I like the guy, me, because I think everything he's doing is for a purpose, and the purpose is yeah. to make the world a better place. I'm not sure about that stuff where what he's putting in people's heads. Not sure about that. But yeah, all the, I'm, all I'm, the space I'm stuff. That, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, let, I'll let other people try that out first. Like, like <laughs> yes. you were a guinea pig for the electric cars. Yeah, okay. 
I, I find some guinea pigs to do the uh, head implants first, then when it's all sorted, oh, I'll have one. Okay, I'm, knowing what I'm like, I'll probably get one of your link things just to, just to, <laughs> <laughs> just to try, it, try it out. Little yeah. microchip in here. No, I'm not. Yeah, going back yeah. to what you, you were yeah. saying then about a lot's happened in that four years. I mean, obviously, the big elephant in the room is the, the old pandemic thing yeah. that just came right out of the blue for us, didn't it? Because, I mean, it was like, it was a little... It, like through December of 2019 and January mm. of 2020, none of us saw it coming. It was it was almost like it was a, the it was like the and finally in China yeah. it was like a small news story, wasn't mm. it? Yeah, yeah. In our world, and then it got a, a little bit bigger and just seemed to accelerate through March to the point where Jesus, this is really happening now. This yeah. is happening to us, and and everything just stopped almost in an instant. When it? it was like. Just seemed like one week, and that was it. The world is now different than it was, particularly for people like you in the entertainment industry, where you where you make a living DJing and you know getting yeah. out there and being in front of people and crowds and stuff. Yeah, that must have been like fucking. What's going on here? It must have been. Uh, it, it was terrifying at the time. Mm. Financially, it took a massive hit, you know, because that's like yeah. most of my income is from going out DJing at events, festivals, mm. clubs, and um, that all went overnight and i just saw the bookings in my diary for the next 16 months went yeah um but what i did you know being mr positive just gone with creating other income streams mm. started doing live streamed um dj sets from home with my wife yeah. charlie every friday we did that for seven to one weeks every friday night yeah. called it disco rescue and it was brilliant we loved it mm. and it brought some money in you know what i mean and then i started yeah. doing uh bespoke cow art you know the yeah, spiral yeah. cow logo yeah. started doing that on canvases and greetings cards that brought a load of money in nice. so I just got creative you know while, while I had the time at home and while I couldn't go out being a DJ just did what I could at home um, yeah. and the best bit was I got back to making new music again hmm. and sharing that with uh, a community on Patreon you, you know Patreon yeah yeah yeah. so that was the best thing that came of it was that well the, the other bit a couple of great things came in that pandemic for me, being at home with my family and not having to run out every two minutes to do a DJ gig, whatever. That was great. Uh, and getting back onto the new music was uh, really satisfying because I've been too busy being a radio presenter and a DJ to yeah. be a musician in recent years. So I got back into that world of making new music and going back to the space thing. Yeah, there's still space in my writing, still a lot of mm. space references in there. The stuff that I'm writing now, even these days. Um, so, yeah, the, so the pandemic, you know, we got through it. You know, it was a yeah. struggle financially, but like a lot of people, yeah. we cut back on a few things, got got creative and uh, enjoyed our time at home and counted our blessings that we all stayed healthy enough. You know, we didn't, mm. we weren't too badly hit by the, yeah. the actual virus, which well, is, um, you know. One, one thing that struck me when I had a little cup of tea in your house, because you're, you're passionate about homeschooling your kids, aren't you? That's right, yeah. So, so that must have been... Um, great to have that. Did, did you end up spending more time schooling the kids through the pandemic and that kind of stuff? Did, did that it's develop? Business as usual. It was, um, yeah. I mean, at that point, our boy Oscar was 16. He was doing uh, net school. He'd been doing mm. net school for years. This is like a live class that you do on the internet. Mm. Uh, and via net school, he, got, he, he ended up getting GCSEs in chemistry, biology, maths and computer science. Oh. He's he's now off at college doing. He's been a, a bass player. He's been a session musician. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. So, but yeah. To answer your question, the dynamic didn't really change at home. You know, the kids were still yeah. here. We were still doing the homeschooling mm-hmm. stuff. Um, 
And yeah, we're probably a bit more hands on. We had a bit more time with them. Um, and yeah, I think that was again because we've been homeschooling for ten years. Yeah, the phrase homeschooling was a phrase a lot of people had not heard of at the beginning of the mm-hmm. pandemic, wasn't it? And we were already sort of in that world. So that didn't change too. In fact, at home, the, the only thing that changed in, in the Boone household was that suddenly dad was here all the time. <laughs> that was the only okay. thing that changed, really. Everything else stayed the same. You know what I mean? And how, how, was, how was that for them? <laughs> it's a big house, so we don't tend to see a <laughs> yes. lot of each other. Okay, fair enough. You've got your own life. I, I, I did say at the time through the pandemic, there'd be, there'd be days when, <laughs> I mean, the kids have all got their own rooms and it's quite a big house, so yeah. we're not bumping into each other, you know, on the way to the toilet <laughs> or whatever, so... You could go all day without seeing them, mm. you know, which was, I'm not saying it in a bad way, but yeah, just, yeah. we all had our own space. Yeah. I, I know people who, through the pandemic, were locked up in the, you know, one bedroom apartment yeah. in the middle of the city or whatever. And they were having like proper mental yeah. um, anguish because of it, where we were lucky because, you know, we're in a fairly big house. We've got a, a nice big garden. Um, when, when the government allowed us to have our one-hour walk, We've got a beautiful park at the end of the street here. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we enjoyed it. We, and like I said, we, we didn't want to be complacent and smug because people were dying. A lot of people were dying of it, weren't they? And yeah. it wasn't nice to see that happening to the world, you know. But our own personal um, journey through the pandemic, we, we made we just made the best of it that we could, really. It, yeah, I think a lot of people, because my wife's a teacher, I think a lot of people got a new respect for what teachers have to have to do and and the skills behind oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. learning teaching kids syllabus <laughs> that's just <laughs> that that must be a, a real eye opener for a lot of parents out there for the kids yeah well to do i mean I, I imagine for a teacher a conventional teacher up until 2020 to suddenly for that individual to have to learn how to do zoom mm. Even for a one-on-one like this, you know, yeah. even I was struggling at the beginning to get on, weren't I? <laughs> well, imagine like you were the teacher that's hosting a class of kids at home, yeah. and you're, you're having to talk the kids through, you know, little little Johnny here in Doncaster, he's struggling to get on. Let's, yeah. Johnny, put your put your microphone on. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, me out, me out went out to teachers and you know the likes that were having to embrace that technology. And I like my wife told me about the kids in school that learned if you changed your name on Zoom to not connected. <laughs> you can you can try and you can get out of the odd lesson. I like that those those cheeky kids will go go. They'll they'll do all right. Well, they they'll do well in life. Them well, kind, yeah. <laughs> how do you like look like like now your kids are a bit older? How do you reflect back on the homeschooling and the journey they've been on? How 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 do you reflect on how you did really? I suppose. Well, Oscar. So me and Charlie have got three boys. Oscar's mm. eighteen. Hector's 15, nearly 16. Uh, Cassius has just turned 12. So Oscar's just come out of the homeschooling. So he's our first example of how he can work. Boom graduate. He's very much a successful homeschool kid. You know, it's spectacular what what he's achieved, really. Um, So, yeah, we're we're confident that the next two uh, will follow a similar path. They're not looking at getting into music, particularly, Hector and Cassius. They'd started a little band the last time. I think they were all they all had their own little instruments upstairs. They did have, yeah. There's instruments all over the house, and th- there was a point where they were all sort of jamming ish, mm, okay, a little bit. But yeah, just Oscar went completely down that route, and the other two have gone down the Minecraft route. And okay, 
What's the other one called? Fortnite. <laughs> you know that? Yeah. I remember when it was Club Penguin. <laughs> she moved on from that, didn't they? <laughs> but yeah, it's um, yeah, the homeschooling for us, it's worked brilliantly and we still recommend it to a lot of people. Yeah. And we find that a lot of parents come to us for advice because people know that we do the homeschooling thing yeah. or we've done it. So people come to us for advice and we're always very, you know, encouraging and positive about the the old uh, home school home education thing. Yeah, it's been great for us. It's been life changing, but yeah. really rewarding. I love that. I love that. And when I were just like researching you a little bit again, see what you've been up to recently, I was I was just on Twitter and I saw that uh, there were a picture of you and Liam Gallagher recently. It, yeah. it, it was one of the. It looked like one of the hottest days ever in Manchester, <laughs> and you both had big fuck off massive coats on. You've got yeah. you've got a, that, that kind of commitment to a to a coat needs applauding, my friend. I'll talk you through that that picture because it did it got a, a massive reaction and eighty percent of the comments were exactly what you just said. <laughs> so let me talk you through it. I've, I've not told this story publicly yet, okay. but so Liam was doing a a particular collaboration with a fashion brand, uh, yeah. not Pretty Green. I, I won't mention what it is in case it's not been announced yet. Okay. And as part of the collaboration, they were putting together a little film um, which included an interview with Liam talking, mm. or like a talk over, voiceover. Yeah. So Liam asked if I could come down from Manchester to do the interview, which I did, obviously. I went to London and we recorded it in a recording studio. And I can't remember whereabouts in London it was. But it was a little recording studio tucked away somewhere in a little suburb. And I went in there and we were sat in an air-conditioned studio for two hours doing the interview. So obviously we both had our, we kept our coats yeah. on in the studio, in, in the dark cold studio um and then when we finished the interview we we're chatting away and liam's wife debbie said let's get a picture um so we said well it's a bit darker let's go outside and do it so we stepped outside literally for 30 seconds to get the picture <laughs> okay went back in put the picture on twitter everybody's like eh, why have you got your coats on <laughs> all that but that's twitter for you and you've got to sort of expect <laughs> you know what I mean? That that's what they do in it. It's like you put a, a tweet out, and everybody will focus on you know the, the loaf of bread that's in the background or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? And not mention the fact that yeah, I'm here with fucking Liam Gallagher. You know, you know what I'm saying, don't you? What's the word? Oh, for yeah. that? There's a word for it, isn't there? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> words, words the word. <laughs> but no, there is a word for it. But there's a, there's definitely a, a certain mentality though. When because I I like coats and. Even when it's warm, I still like to wear a coat because I just think if I go out in a T-shirt, it's going to piss it down. Yeah. Even if it's not predicted or whatever, I still think, you know, I live in Manchester now, so, you know, it could happen, it could happen yeah. any minute now. Um, I'm, a big, I'm a big coat, man, and I'd rather go out too warm, too wrapped up yes. than, than go out in a T-shirt and get caught out. Yeah. I've always got... I usually have a coat with me, and I always have an umbrella knocking about, you know what I mean? <laughs> Sometimes a hat as well. Sunglasses, just in case. Oh, sunglasses all the time, yeah, <laughs> all the time. <laughs> so it, it, it it's been amazing over the last four years just to see how you know Liam's taken off on his own, hasn't it? You know, after oh, yeah. BDI and it's that fantastic. kind of stuff. Just I, I I didn't see that coming. Um, it must still be a surprise to him. I don't know if you've had any chats with him about it. Um, I've not. I know whenever I've spoken to him the last few years, he's in a great place. Yeah, you know, he's in a, he's very very happy and content and. Obviously, we can see how creatively he's, he's on top of it, isn't he? Mm. Uh, and he makes no, you know, no secret of the fact that he is writing with other writers, you know, which is yeah, 
you know, it's it's getting great results. And what's wrong with that? I'm a massive Elvis Presley fan. Elvis never wrote anything. Mm. Liam is writing, but he's writing with other um, songwriters. I think the turning point, from what I can gather, is when Debbie got involved mm. and started guiding him. I mean, she was, I think she was the turning point, And I think he'd probably agree with that. That it's, you know, made him focus back on being a musician. Because I think for a few for a few years after BDI, he just stopped doing it, didn't he? It's, it's straight, like, just looking back over the last few weeks, just sold out Nebworth gigs, sold out uh, Edinburgh, all over the country, these Etihad, these yeah. massive events that a new generation of people are finding Liam's songs and the old Oasis songs as well. I just think, as, as somebody that grew up watching Oasis live all yeah. over the world, I used to watch them and, you know, get pints of piss thrown all over me at every venue I went to. It's just, it's really nice to see a younger, uh, the young uns getting a chance to appreciate them tunes as well now. It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, see the, the crowds at his gigs. Man, you, you know what? The, the crowds, at a lot of gigs I'm going to and the clubs that I'm doing, mm. you know, even when, when, when we got back in South after the pandemic, yeah. South Nightclub, the crowd in there were, were like people that were just coming out for the first time ever. Mm. You know, 17, 18 year old. Um, and it was great to see that because I think there was a point before the pandemic where you'd see a lot of like bald fat geezers at my gigs, <laughs> beer bellies. And then <laughs> it's almost like the next generation just, just suddenly yeah, old come out. You know, the, 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 the sons and daughters of, you know, the original uh, Oasis fans are now coming, checking out what it was all about, aren't they? And, you know, even though Oasis isn't a thing, Liam is and Noel is, yeah. so... Yeah, it's a great thing to see. We had we had Paul Gallagher on the podcast. Um, all right, how was it? Was he all right? Yeah, I, I, yeah, just proper sound, just proper take it piss out of me for coming from Yorkshire straight away. Yeah, um, it's just it's just a is is one of a kind, and it just just to have been around that band and to be so loyal to both brothers. Yeah, still these days, just you know, they just need to get a relationship again. It frustrates me. Yeah, I like Paul. I spent a lot of time with Paul back in. Back in the nineties, yeah. yeah, right when Oasis kicked off, we've seen a lot of Paul back then. Um, yeah, he's a good lad. Um, well, they're all good, aren't they? But they are they're, they're quite different than each other. Well, Nolan and Liam are particularly different yeah. than each other, aren't they? They could be from different parents, couldn't yeah. they? Them two. You know what I mean? It, it's fascinating because famously, Noel used to be your roadie for Inspiral Carpets. Famous yeah. story. Um, just last thing on the Gallagher's, you can get bogged down with it, can't you? <laughs> no, I, 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 it fascinates me the old story. I never get bored about. Yeah, I never, I never get bored being asked about them, and I always like re- being reminded that, you know, me, us, the Inspirals, we were a big mm. part of that journey for those boys. Yeah. You know what I mean? We were a big part of the, and they give us credit for it. You know, they both. They whenever mm. I speak to Noel and Liam, they're, they're all very. They're both very uh, vocal about how much they gained from being allowed into the inner sanctum of the Inspiral Carpets. You know, it's like, it was a, an important moment for both of them. Can you, um, can you, credit for that. when you look back at Noel, could you see, you can't see, you can't, you, you can't see things every time. I always, because uh, the Arctic Monkeys played their first ever gig with my band. And, right. uh, and I get asked the question loads of times, you know, did you see, did you see the spark of lightning? Did you see it coming? I said, no, not really. You know, there were kids, they were professional. They were, they were yeah. young and professional at the time. Uh, they had some great tunes. 
Um, but you, but you, you can never picture things going that way, can you? It's a frustrating question that I get asked, and I don't know when why I'm all, asking when, you, but I'm gonna. When we first met Noel, when he first yeah. came to us, he was a, a songwriter. Then he was a singer songwriter. Then he yeah. had four track cassettes, uh, like recordings that he'd done on a porch studio yeah. and stuff. So he was, um, he was a musician when he came to us. He, he auditioned to be our singer, didn't he? Yeah. Famously, yeah. um, <laughs> so we knew he was a musician. We knew that his art was. You know, his art was beyond the spirals. He, he was going to go away and do his own thing. That was always a known known fact, you know, that he was going to do that. Um, and even during, like when we were touring, we'd, we'd do the sound check and then the band would often go off for food, you know, maybe with the record company people, whatever. Noel would usually stay on stage with Mark, the front of house geezer, Mark Coyle. Um, uh, and they'd, they'd be jamming. They'd just jamming our equipment until the show started, like playing Burt Bacharach songs and playing Beatles songs. So Noel, right through being, you know, our roadie, right through that chapter, he was always primarily a musician. You know what I mean? Um, so it wasn't a surprise to us that he went off and, you know, joined his brother's band and made it Oasis, etc. But, yeah, I think what surprised us was the the level of success that that little scally from Burnage got. Yeah. You know it's I mean? bad, isn't it? It's bad, isn't it? It's it's unbelievable, and it, it's brilliant. It's it, like you know the amount of good that they've done to you know the British music industry in, in terms of the amount of thousands of people that they've inspired to pick up guitars. And over the songs. last thirty, is it thirty years? It's definitely maybe or nearly thirty years or something like that. It's just like such yeah. a long time to. Nearly 30, I remember yeah. it like yesterday, and it's just ridiculous. Yeah, just a, that that amount of time to 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 generate a culture within yeah. the music industry and just, you know. It, it's, 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 it's just such an amazing contribution that they made to our culture. Mm. You know, it's phenomenal, isn't it? And the, the culture was there because it was created by you guys first, weren't it? But they, they yeah, took but, it to another level, do you think? That's what happens with every generation of music, isn't it? That's what Nirvana did. They, yeah. they, they didn't create grunge. Mm. You know, the groundwork was done by, you know, the, the bands before them, you know, they, yeah. Dinosaur Junior and mm. uh, the Pixies, even you know, and stuff yeah. like that, Soundgarden, and I think Nirvana just, whether consciously or not, just took the best bits of that. You know, the amazing the, the melodies that were in there. You know, the uh, you know bands like Oscar Do. You know, it's like without Oscar Do and Pixies, and you, you probably wouldn't have had Nirvana. You know what I mean? Mm. So they just they became the poster boys for grunge yeah. by just taking all the best bits and doing it and doing it beautifully. And that's exactly what Oasis did. You know, again, I, I don't, I don't think they were doing it consciously, but yeah. they were so inspired by the Beatles and the, the spirit of punk and, you know, the, the, the coolness of bands like the Mondays and mm. the Roses and maybe us lot, maybe not us lot, but you know, they took the best bits of definitely you what, what had gone before and they just packaged it into this amazing thing called Oasis and, that was it. Do you think if they got back together, it would ruin their legacy, or do you think it'll strengthen it like it did with the Stone Roses? That's a tough uh, one. I think, I, I think they will get back together. Mm. I think that'll happen at some point. In terms of what it'll do to the legacy, I think with the Roses, you you know, there's there's two camps, and some people are glad they got back together and think it was brilliant, but some people had uh, different thoughts about it. And, you know, the band, you know, obviously 
they had fallouts when they got back together. It's like there was all that going on as well. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm glad they got back together, the Roses, because it, it gave me a chance to go and see them again. Mm. Um, and it meant that my mate Manny ended up finally getting some money in the bank, yeah. which he deserved. I mean, they all did, but yeah. Manny's the one that I'm the closest to. And it's just brilliant to see him get his, his paycheck, mm. you know, after all them years of making that influential well, first album in particular, but second album as well. So yeah, I'm, I'm just glad they got. I'm glad they got back together. I don't have any, uh, yeah, any any um, problems. With it. But I do. I do know some people that were a bit disappointed that they got back together. And in, in what way? Out. Sorry. In what way were they disappointed? Because it damaged the legacy. Oh right, okay. It just you know in their that, head, it's like, just, like, just not as good a as lot what... of, a lot of hardcore fans. Yeah, you know, were saying like. You know, getting back together, making so much money and giving us two new songs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Simple okay. as that, you know what I mean? But to, they, they were allocated. They got back together, they gave us some amazing gigs and they showed the new generation what it was all about. Mm-hmm. Um, and musically, they were on fire, weren't they? Yeah. They were as good as it, they've ever been. I mean, Ren is just, he's just a monster, isn't he? Where's he from, that bloke? He's not from planet Earth, is he? Just some... Elon, just, he, Elon Musk found him somewhere. It's just like it's like what? what where's he from? Because <laughs> so, I, I don't think he'd been drumming for years. I don't. I don't think yeah. he sat at home for twenty years drumming. I think I, I, I don't know Renny that that well, but yeah. I get the impression that you know once the decision was made, that was it. They get back in the studio, and he's just he really yeah. he pulled it right out of the hat, didn't he? You know, music. Well, they all did. They all did. Yeah. But but Renny was like just stunning to watch. Look, coming from Sheffield and being heavily influenced by Manchester music, and now I'm living in Manchester. Yeah. I wanted to soak myself up in this city and learn about it and get myself out and about. So I've kind of like, over the last few years, I've been to, I think, 95% of the music venue, uh, venues. I've, all the like Deaf Institutes, you know, Northern Quarter venues, all the other, you know, slightly bigger venues before you get to arenas and that kind of stuff. And just soaking myself up in, in the city and the culture and things like that. And particularly around, you know, the history of factory records and what that means. And I went to the, when they had the um, exhibition at the Science Museum, I went, I went around that. Yeah. Uh, just to learn about, all, you know, why things were called factory one, factory two, factory three, and all that kind of stuff. And the, yeah. the history and how it was all set up. Um, there's so much to, to learn and soak in. I don't think I'm ever going to get around to it all. It's just such a, such a creative place with so much history. It's quite intimidating to like to, I want more, but I just can't, yeah. my brain can't take it all. I don't, know, I'm, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I've, I've grown up here and I'm, it yeah. is, I'm from Oldham, which is eight yeah. miles north of Manchester, yeah. but very much part of the mm. greater Manchester area. But I'm still learning things about the city mm. all the time and, and learning things about the music from the city. And it's, yeah, like you say, it's, it's a whole world, isn't it? Just within yeah. these few square miles, it's like a, an, an incredible world of just like little trips out. The other day, I just uh, I was just in town, so I had a walk to see where Boardwalk used to be. Um, yeah. Just little tiny things like that from history. Just little, I, I can just get lost in the city centre and just I don't know. It's yeah. just, it's such a great city. I've enjoyed since since the pandemic ended. I'm now broadcasting back in the studio for Excess Manchester yeah. every day. Mm. Because during the pandemic, I was broadcasting from home, mm. which was great, but a bit bit strange. But, um, you know, doing a radio show in your pyjamas. Anyway. <laughs> I'm not going to stand up. 
But um, but yeah, so since the pandemic ended and, and I was able to start going back into the studio, this is mm-hmm. like from, from last July, so it's a year now, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I've really enjoyed walking through the city because I get the train into Piccadilly a lot of days and walk through to spinning fields. Really, I think I've fallen in, in love with the city again. You know, the architecture as well as the history and the people and even the pigeons are fucking cool, you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like, um, it's just been great to reconnect with it, with the, the actual city. Just those big new skyscrapers down at the bottom of Deansgate and just the... the it's the, mad, isn't it? When, you, when I drive in from Denton down Hyde Road into City Centre, which I do most weeks all yeah. the time, you used to just see the Hilton building and think, that's an impressive building. Yeah. But now you can't really see that. It's just dwarfed by... Mantropolis, is it called these days? Yeah, that, that that saddens me a little bit that the skyline's changed mm. so, you know, uh, profoundly in the last few years. Um, and there is a couple of, there's one, one road where, you know, if you drive down the hill and the CIS building's on your left, mm. and ahead of you is like pretty much Victoria Station, the arena. As you're driving down that road now, the, the sky's gone. There's just oh. no sky. It's like a complete wall of skyscrapers in front yeah. of you. That saddened me a little bit the other week, um, and I did. I, I did say to a friend of mine that I think it's getting to a point where I think they should just probably stop building skyscrapers, though. <laughs> yeah. And the mate's like, "No, bring more, more of them. We want more. We want more." Particularly if it's like up, Chinese but, investors that are just building flats for rich people. It's kind of like it's not what Manchester's about, is it? Um, not or really. Or is it? I, I, I don't know. I don't know what, what it's about. I mean, my Manchester, in my mind, is about something different than that yeah. but uh yeah i don't know I, I just wish that at some point they'll slow down and mm. not just become you know four square miles of high-rise buildings mm. um i did drive in today i drove into manchester today and i ended up driving in the old from the older end mm. and that skyline hasn't changed much mm. the cis building is still pretty much the highest building you can see so that was quite um yeah, when you feel quite good that that, that that bit's still as it used to look when I was a kid going into. Yeah, I, I I go that route a few times because my yeah. uh, my wife's parents live in Chatterton, yeah, near where you're from yourself yeah. originally, and yeah, when you when you're driving in and you end up down, you end up at Northern Quarter when you get there, don't you? And then it's that's just right, like, yeah. and then you you just straight into the cool. But that that's a nice like entry into Manchester that way. For anybody yeah. that's not done it before, just to get straight into nitty gritty of the music bit, I like that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, like down Tib Street or Oldham mm. Street. Yeah, that's exactly where I was today to get me hair cut. I'm gonna get me hair. Cut. <laughs> Is that what you've been? Okay. I was just thinking, that. What, what was I doing in, in Manchester? <laughs> oh, I forgot. <laughs> well, just sticking with the factory thing a little bit because famously you were in the film Twenty Four Hour Party People. Yeah. Um. What you know? What kind of? Um. What kind of have you got any stories from you know filming that at all? Because it's it, that's an historic film for Manchester. Yeah, well. it was um, just one day of filming I did, and it, it was working opposite Steve Coogan, obviously, because mm. he was playing Tony Wilson. Yeah. And my scene was I was a train guard, a ticket collector, or whatever, on the train that he clambered onto during a blizzard, wasn't it? Yeah, on a fucking Pennine. <laughs> that was all, wasn't it? So yeah, so it meant that me and Coogan were filming together all day, um, well, all afternoon. And there's a lot of extras. I don't know if you can remember the extras that were sat playing the other passengers. Mm. There's like a, probably about 10 extras that were just paid to just sit there and yeah. look look a bit weird because they did look a bit weird. So they'd be, 
But I remember like some of the conversations that they were having with, with Steve because they'd obviously not been prompted and or yeah. they didn't seem to be aware of the etiquette of... Oh, okay. He's an actor. He's doing his big... You know, he's obviously yeah. in the zone. He's working. Yeah. He's got his lines to remember. So the last thing they want is, hey, I like it when you do that Paul Carf or whatever oh, it was. Right, okay. like, but there's a lot of that going on. People yeah. like just getting in there and think, I don't think that's probably not a good thing. But um, yeah, we filmed it over in, you know, in Bury, there's a little private rail line, isn't there? I've been on the steam train that, that leaves that, from Bury. Um, that's it. Well, that's where, that's where it was all filmed. It was on that line. Mm. Uh, and they've got a couple of vintage trains. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think we were on an old diesel train that they've got there. And they just spent all day literally, literally driving up and down this one mile track mm. while they're doing the filming. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was great. It ended up being such a, a big movie, you know, and a, a definitive movie almost. Well, not, not a, it's not a biopic, is it? Or, or anything yeah. like that. Not even a, not even a dramatization. It's very much a surreal overview. Mm of what that period of Manchester's history was like. And it totally captures the spirit. Mm. You know, even though that factually it's way off the mark on, on a lot of points, yeah. but it really captures that that feeling of the circus that was Manchester. Yeah. You know, it really captures that, I think. So, yeah, I'm proud to be part of it. And I, I get I get a name check in the films all done because they do a thing where Coogan as Anthony Wilson is highlighting some of the uh, cameos in the yes, film. Yeah. So that we get in there, he says, this is Manny out of Stone Roses. And then he says, it's something like, this is uh, what's he called out of the Spiral Carpet, Clint Boone. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. It's great. It, it, it must be nice to like reflect on being a massive part of the, the city's history yourself from a personal point of view. Uh, I, I think the funny thing is that I've never, as time's gone on, I've never really, seen that i've enjoyed being part of it you know i love being part of Manchester. i love being one of the inspirals and but i suppose at the time i didn't realize what a massive part of um musical history we were making mm. but it's nice to be reminded or it's nice when people come and say this is our, our perception of it is that you are you know yeah whatever the word's going to be a legend an icon it's, but, it, it's true though mate I know it's a, it, it's weird to describe yourself in, it's a nice feeling because you know when I was a kid that's all that's all I wanted I wanted yeah. I wanted to be a pop star you know, I wanted to be yeah. famous when I was a kid I, yeah. like like every kid in Oldham did you know and, and you know it seems that that's I've managed that um, yeah. somewhat nice one nice one well I just wanted to just before because we, you've got loads of projects going on at the minute that I'm going to come to but just yeah. as a nice little um, different kind of segue into that I just want to have a bit of fun, if that's all right, Clint. It's a bit cheesy. It's it's a bit commercial radio, but I'm just going to try it out, if that's all right. I've not done not this before. To, so. You're not going to ask me to take my clothes off, are you? Oh, no, mate, definitely not. <laughs> no, because I'll get me too'd. <laughs> <laughs> I, just want, I just want to say, I just want three words on these well-known Manchester people. Um, so let's start with Bez. Three words to describe Bez. Gentleman. Unique. Good soul. I know that's two words. That's fine. Good that's soul. Fine. Yeah. Nice one. Liam Gallagher. Um, good soul. Cuddly dog. Uh, not asked. <laughs> Tony Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> on my wall. He's there on my wall. Oh, is it? Okay, right. <laughs> it's on my wall. There you oh, go. Right. Tony Wilson. 
You see there him? There he is. Yeah. <laughs> on my wall. Uh, no, Tony. Well, you know what? He, he's the main man. Hmm. Yeah, Without man. him, um, arguably, a lot of what I'm sat... You know, a lot of what's around me wouldn't be here. We might not be in this house without Tony. Hmm. Uh, that's how, how important his contribution was to Manchester. So, yeah, yeah the main man. Andy Burnham. Andy Burnham. Um, special, uh, needed. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to pick my words wisely. No, it's, it's fine, mate. I understand. I get it. It's, but it's an important one, isn't it? It's like, yeah. well, you know what? The main man. Yeah. That's why, I, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Andy. So I'm a friend of his, but I'm a massive yeah. fan. Yeah. And I do think with somebody like him, in, in power or in, you know, in office. Yeah. It, it's just, uh, it's what the world needs. It's what the country needs. It's what the world needs. Yeah. Uh, people like him in power. Nice one. Steve Coogan. Uh, funny. Genius. Funny genius. <laughs> A funny genius. A funny genius. Sean Ryder. <laughs> Sean is there again, poet, gentleman, bald. <laughs> Ian Brown, and then one more after this. Right, Ian. Uh, Ian, icon, monkey. <laughs> uh, monkey icon. <laughs> we'll go with two that's fine no I'm, I'm, I'll get again okay. uh, good soul if I can use good, good soul. soul as a yeah, word yeah, sure yeah and last Tim Burgess cuddly <laughs> lovely <laughs> <laughs> cuddly and lovely you're not allowed to repeat your words for this one right okay um joyous such a good soul. There's a theme going through that, isn't there? You know, good, uh, having a good soul and being confident in yourself I, is, I is a trait that, of many of these, you know, successful yeah, people. Yeah, I think it's partly the, partly the, the, the geography, the area, you know, being from the north of England, which most of mm-hmm. those people are. Uh, and they're all pretty much working class people yeah. that we're talking about with the same priorities and the same... You know, same hopes for for fellow man. I think you know, if, if you asked a lot of those people that question about you, I think they'd say similar words about you. Do you think? Cuddly. Yeah. Cuddly, thinning, <laughs> <laughs> aging. No, I don't know, but I do think. I think that's why. I mean, all those people you talk to, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm good friends or close yeah. to them all. You know, yeah. very, very close to some of them. Mm. Um. And I think I do feel like we're all cut from the same block of wood. Mm. Simple as that, you know. Yeah. The, even with Andy Burnham, you know, I've been, you know, I've got to know Andy over the years, and you know, it's it's like it feels like they feel like family. Mm. It's like we've all been raised by the same parents. That's how it feels. You know, I love what I mean? that. I love that. I love that. So moving on to radio, then. So you're back live on the radio. Um, yeah. The pandemic um, has uh, has one casualty south. 
where you where you worked for years that pandemics kind of closed the door on south what was it down to south or was it down to the pandemic do you think was it a bit a little bit too much for him no what it was with with south so this is a club that i've been doing i started yeah. djing there in the late 90s mm. probably about probably 96 97 i started djing there yeah. and then in 2000 i took over the weekly saturday residency mm. So I'm sure that we've got the record for the, the longest-running weekly residency by a single DJ. You know what I mean? I think that's, I think that's the record because it's been 20, it was 20 years or something. Yeah. The pandemic shut the club down, obviously. Yeah. But think during the pandemic, the landlord, the guy that owns the building, not the club, the club's owned by a different company. Yeah. I think the landlord just started getting other ideas about what he wanted to do with the building. So there was a point during the pandemic where I just thought we're never going to get back in South. This isn't going to happen now. It's over. So I'd already said goodbye to it in, in my mind, you know. And then at the end of the pandemic, we just got a call saying, right, we're back in South. And that was like Brucey bonus to me because I'd already said try to it. And anyway, so I started doing it monthly at that point just to freshen up my weekends. I had a lot of other stuff that I was um, wanting to do. Um, and then what happened about probably three weeks ago, four weeks ago, I got a call from the manager at South saying we're locked out. That's it. There's a sign on the door yeah. saying the, the landlord's refusing to renew the lease or whatever. And that was it. That was on a Monday. And I was gutted because I thought we're not going to get our last party in there. You know what I mean? Because we wanted to oh. say goodbye to the place really, ideally. Mm. So that was on a Monday night. Then on the Thursday, we got a call to say, right, you're in for one more weekend. Oh. So we did... Um, the news got around the city. Manchester Evening News did a big story on it. This is the, the closing night. And we had the best Saturday night, not just in South, but ever. For me, it was just one of the yeah. greatest Saturday nights I've ever had because the, the amount of love that, you know, people just went out of the way to be there for the night. Mm. You know, old faces, new faces. And it was just the, the greatest send-off that we could have had, really. So I feel like, it feels like a person that's gone. It feels like an old geezer that, that yeah. we knew it was his time was coming. But at least we got to have that big party with him at the end. It feels like that. Oh, nice. And I ended up crowd surfing at the end, <laughs> okay. obviously. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm mourning it, but in a nice way. I'm, I'm mourning it, but I'm thinking, yeah, what a great life it was and yeah. it, it had. And at least we got to say goodbye to it and yeah. legendary, you know, a legendary place that. Well, As was the Hacienda, and it very much, I've said to a lot of people recently, South directly grew out of the ashes of the Hacienda. That's how mm-hmm. South happened. When the Hacienda shut, yeah. Paul Cons, who was one of the management team at the Hacienda, he, he, he created South. Mm. So it came straight out of that same bloodline. And I think the spirit of the Hacienda ran through South, all, all even though it's a much smaller room. Yeah. Um, it always had that spirit of the Hacienda to me. Um, and I think it would go down in history in, in a similar sort of way. In the north of England, anyway, maybe not around the world, but certainly in this part of the world. Yeah. It, uh, yeah so you're still making tunes, mate. You sent me a little collaboration with a Stockport band yesterday and I've had a nosy of it. So you're doing, you a, collab- you're doing a collaboration with Fuzzy Son. Yeah. Uh, my f- reply to you was dreamy. I didn't realise it was you that was singing. Very impressed. Thank you. When it first came up, I thought, that's not Clint. It's Clint. Yeah, then when yeah. you listen to it, it's you singing. T- tell us a little bit about this tune, mate. So through the pandemic, like I said, I've started doing new music again. Yeah. Um, probably about an album's worth of stuff that I've put out on Patreon. Yeah. And at some point I'll make that physical album. That's mm. part of my plan. 
the fuzzy sun thing came about uh, a friend of mine who's he's always involved in musical projects he's, he's very proactive in that that respect and he, he came to me with this idea of doing a an album celebrating the music that was recorded at strawberry studios in stockport so it'd be artists today that, that are either from stockport or involved in stockport um covering songs that were recorded at strawberry over the years so one of the names of that blossoms were there was talk of blossoms possibly doing i'm not in love which I don't think has happened yet, but that's the kind of thing we're talking about. Mm. Fuzzy Sun are a Stockport-based band. Um, and we just came up with the idea of doing a collaboration where Fuzzy Sun would do the music and I'd do the vocal. And it was me that suggested Solitaire by Neil Siddhartha because that was recorded in Strawberry in 1972. Mm. Even though he was this ma- massive American artist at the time, he ended up recording a couple of albums over here in mm. Strawberry. Because he got to know, um, I think it's Graham, uh, got Graham Godley. I think he got friendly with, with, with Graham mm. Goldman. Sorry, Graham Goldman. Um, and, and yeah, and unbelievable these it records I was listening to when I was a kid. I didn't realize when I was living in the old one. I didn't realize these, these songs were written down here in, or recorded in, in oh. Strawberry. So anyway, so we decided to do Solitaire, and I suggested to Fuzzy Sun that if you record it in a quite a discordant way. Um, have you ever heard R.E.M. Let Me In? Uh, the song's it's on, not... It's on the Monster album. I, I, and it's a, I it's will a tribute, do if I hear it. <laughs> it's a tribute to Kurt Cobain. It's right. a, a real wall of sound sort of, yeah. you know, really discordant and and Michael Stipe singing it in a you know real beautiful way over it. But anyway, so let, let's try and have a bit of that spirit about the track. So Fuzzy Sun went away and just recorded the backing track, which is beautiful. Yes. And I just sunk, did a vocal over it in my home studio. It took me like probably two takes, three takes maximum. It was the easiest vocal I've ever done. It just the right. Um, it feels right it top. feels so natural and just so just yeah. the, the delivery song, of it. It's easy song because I didn't have to do anything to do with the music. I left that to somebody else. Yeah. It's somebody else's words, and I just all I had to do was just do it, and it just came out like as it is. I mean, the recording you've got there is the the first day I did it at home. Um, we recorded another vocal. I went to Fuzzy Sun's studio to see if I could get a better vocal. And I, eventually I just said, no, let's go with the original one because that's the one that feels right. So, uh, so yeah, that will be on an album. Uh, the album will be called Strawberry Studios Forever. And I don't know when it's going to come out, but hopefully in the next few months at some point. So is that on your Patreon now, or is that just no, on not its yet, way no. out? It's nowhere at the minute. Yeah, okay. I don't want to put it out yet until I know exactly what 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 the story is going to be with it. Yeah, you know okay. what I mean. Yeah, but I'm thinking it'll be a single as well at some point. Nice. I like the idea of it coming out as a single. I think six music could be all over it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. That's just one little side project I've been working on, which is exciting. I've got a lot of other stuff happening as well. Yeah, you mentioned uh, we've got a, a musical, Clint Boone. What's this all about? I'll tell you. So this started 11 years ago, believe it or not. Because <laughs> I've, over the years, I've done little bits of little film, you know, mm. cameos in films, as we talked about, or a couple of little uh, independent films that were, I, I was playing the main role in it. Just just little, you know, not proper acting, just me being, being a bloke from the north of England yeah. sort of thing, which I'm pretty good at that. <laughs> um, anyway, so my mate Steve, who used to drum with the Mock Turtles, yeah. 11 years ago, he sent me a message saying, 
I've got an idea for um, a film. I've got a script. Can I send it to you? Because I know you've been doing little bits of film projects and you might have some contacts. And um, so he sent it to me and I read it and I just thought right away, this is this this main character is, is my dad in the 1970s, corner shop owner. Yeah. You know, a bit of a jack the lad, keeping the money coming in for his family and all that. And um, I said, I'm really, I'm really interested in being Billy Fielding. And he's like, Steve was over the moon because, he, he, you know, he just thought I might give him a couple of contact numbers, but he was chuffed. I said, I want to be in the film. So long story short, we spent the last 11 years developing it, writing the script, bringing in professional help to guide us. Uh, so we've got a producer called Alan Graves, who's part of the team now. Mm-hmm. He's been with us for six or seven years. And when we brought Alan in, Alan worked on Northern Soul and he was the co-producer of England is Mine. So he's very well established in the industry. And it was Alan who, when we went to him with this this film idea, uh, which is based on it's based on a real festival that happened near Wigan in the 1970s, in the early 1970s. And Alan said, have you thought about making it a musical? And me and Steve were like, why Why did you say that? He said, well, you're a musician, you're a musician. It's based on a music festival. Mm. Why do you not want it to be a musical? And they're like, well, we're not keen on musicals. <laughs> and then, so we, we just we yeah. brushed it aside yeah. and carried on developing the idea. And then it was a few weeks later, I was talking to Steve and I said, I've been thinking about doing a theme tune for the, for the film. Mm. Um, and I've got a feeling if it comes out the way I think it's going to come out, it, it might be good to look at the, the musical idea of making the whole film a musical. Mm. Wrote the theme tune, Steve loved it. I love it. Alan loves it. And we decided within days that, right, this is, this is now a musical. So I went away and wrote another 14 or 15 songs. Um, so the state of play now is that the script is finished. The songs are demoed. They will be re-recorded for the film. Uh, and we're at a stage now where Alan's putting together a budget and then we're going to start touting it around to see who wants to put the money into it. Wow. Um. And that's it, really. That's the the, the the synopsis is that. It's a, a musical about a 1972 music festival in Wigan. Slightly yeah. edgy, a bit funny, gritty. You, you, said, you said one but, little thing there where I just went away and wrote 14, 15 songs. <laughs> yeah, can't, I, mean, I can't let you off just with that. How, how, yeah. how, how do you just, you know, that's... I didn't write them all. That's impressive. I mean, this, this is, bear in mind, this is over a, a few years this now, yeah, isn't okay. it? So, um, yeah, I didn't write them all in one sitting. And, <laughs> and to be honest, some of them were songs that I already had on the shelf that right, okay. I was waiting for, almost waiting for the right vehicle for them. Yeah. So there's some songs that I wrote when the Inspirals were together, you know, nine, ten years ago or whatever. Okay. That I just thought, that's not an Inspirals tune. That, that's not an Inspirals tune. Put it on the shelf and see what happens in the future. And suddenly this, we're making the film and I'm thinking that song is perfect for this character in this movie. You know what I mean? So that's been a really exciting thing. I've put so much, well, we put so much time into it, me, Alan and Steve, mm-hmm. even through the pandemic, we were doing two hour Zooms every Friday morning, just like workshopping the ideas. Yeah. So we've been doing it. It's been going on for 11 years without a break, this constant conversation. I mean, I've been talking to Steve today about, things to do with the, yeah. the script and the music. Um, and it's funny to invest that much time in something 
but for people not to be aware of it yet. Yeah. So when it does when it does come out, people will be like, "Where's that come from?" <laughs> you know what I mean? You're already the busiest man in Manchester. I hope you had time to do that as well. So, but yeah, well, we it, just put a lot of time in. It's the same. I speak to a lot of comedians on this podcast, and they go through a career of not nobody knowing who they are for 10, 15 years before they yeah. before uh, they've honed the craft to be good enough to enter this world and you know yeah. crack on and be earn money at it. Yeah, so totally, yeah. There's and loads of industries like, like that, isn't there, where you have to proper graft to get the, the, yeah. the thing right. Yeah. I'm sure it'll pay off this because it's it's something mm. that I know the idea, the, the, the idea of the film, the actual plot is very, very sellable, more so now than it was three years ago mm. because it's the idea, even before Brexit, this film is about, the, it's almost like the invasion of this little village near Wigan. It mm. really happened, this 70,000 people turned up for a, a festival in 1972. Um, so the idea of it being this invasion on the little village, there was when Brexit started happening, there was a lot of aspects of that that we thought this is going to really resonate with an audience watching our mm. film. You know what I mean? And then the pandemic's happened, and you've got the same thing again. It's, it just really strengthened some of the mm. subplots, if you like, or the the, um, the the arcs of our story. It's funny so how you know, life circles itself around, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, and, and also <laughs> the, the idea of music festivals now is bigger than it's ever been because yeah. we were denied it for two years and now it's bigger and better than ever. Glastonbury just the other week was yeah. phenomenal, wasn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, we, we just I feel like we're sat on a real golden egg here and it's going to be um, a big turning point career-wise. If it, you yeah. know, once it gets the green light, uh, I'll have to make a lot of changes to what I'm doing and uh, have a few dancing lessons. <laughs> Look, I love that. And, and any other project... It, it, Dare I ask if you've got any if you've got time for any other projects at the minute? Um not really. No, that's probably about it at the moment. New yeah. music, film. Still involved still involved with Beatstream, which is a music streaming app that we created seven or eight years ago. We, we created that. That's still being developed. I mean it's out there, it's operating. Hmm. And it meant that, that that's what gave me the um the vehicle from week one of the first lockdown. Hmm. I was able to live stream uh, DJ sets from home oh, yeah. for money because it, you had to buy a ticket to, to join in, to listen. Yeah. And it was the only music streaming app in the world that was connected to a paywall at the time because we'd been developing that for years I before. It rings a bell. Did, did Miles Hunt use it for his stuff that he did over? Um, I don't think yeah. Miles did it. I'm not sure Miles did it, but we had... We I did watched a couple of his things. I can't remember exactly how he did it, but... A lot of people were doing it on, you know, like Facebook Live, mm. Instagram Live. Yeah. There were there were other platforms out there where you could stream audio or video. It would. They were, you had the, to buy a ticket for it, though. Yeah. That, well, what you had to do was you'd go on Facebook Live and you'd be watching, you know, DJ whatever, yeah. and then they'd be saying, "Make a donation to me, GoFundMe page." Oh uh, yeah, people have PayPal links and yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So with those, yeah. this was the only one, as far as we know, we were the only ones in the world that had mm. a live music streaming app that was already connected to a paywall. Yeah. So we, me and Charlie, my wife, started doing Disco Reshko on the first Friday of the lockdown. And it was basically just a, a way of me replacing South. Mm. You know, for the, for, the, for the couple of months that were coming up where we thought we're, we're going to be out of action here for three months. <laughs> I was going to get by. It, was, um, it meant that we did it on Friday nights and a lot of the people that would have gone to South could listen to me playing records at nice. home. And what happened on night one, Charlie came down to the studio in our basement to bring me a cup of tea or whatever. 
a can of red stripe probably. And she saw the requests coming in on Twitter, like just Twitter was just raining requests. So she sat down and started writing them out. And then before you know it, I'm on the mic doing the dead, shouting out people's names nice. and Charlie was on the mic. It just became, became more like a talk show than a DJ set. And we'd take requests and we'd play anything. Stuff that I would never play in clubs. People would be requesting that, you know, really eclectic stuff. Yeah. And I'd find it on Spotify or, or YouTube and play it. Um, so there was like, the, the, there was no filter on anything. Mm. We're playing all the tunes they wanted. Me and Charlie were chatting about any shit we wanted to talk about. We could swear we were battered. You know what I mean? It was like, <laughs> it was just, we created, accidentally created this amazing um, experience on Friday nights and people were loving it because we were, we're talking to them and they're part of our community. And like I said, we did it for 71 weeks, that. Um, it, it, it amazes me, like, how restrictive the mainstream entertainment TV channels are compared to what you see on YouTube these days, which is basically yeah. a new, uh, which is a, a TV channel, but with no, um, with no uh, industry people telling you, yeah, do yeah. this, do that, do this, do that, and do it my way yeah. type thing. It's so freeing that these new platforms are available for people to to say what they want, yeah, when they want, and how they want. Yeah, well, that's how that's how Beatstream felt to me. Like, well, mm. it, it feels to me that you can do that, and I, I suppose you know a lot of these filters are there for a reason. You don't want to go, you know, promoting yeah. it or you know spreading. Yeah, yeah, sure. Bad messages, but it's like, yeah, I mean, the kind of stuff me and Charlie were doing. We couldn't do it on radio. Mm. You know, we, we couldn't talk about some of that stuff on the radio. Yeah. So it was nice, you know, as a radio presenter, as a full-time professional radio presenter, it was great for me yeah. to just, just just put it out there. Just, <laughs> just get, to get battered in the broadcasting was amazing. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> so, so you're still as busy as ever, Clint. I yeah. re- really appreciate your time joining us for this podcast. Is there any other things that you want to share with the Boone Army out there? Is there anything? Um, anything uh, you want to say to Yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm carrying on doing what I've always done. Just yeah. keep, I'm, you know, I'm making music. I'm celebrating other people's music. I'm on the radio. I want to keep yeah. people dancing. I want to keep people laughing. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere yet. I'm just going to Love it. stick around and keep shouting Boone Army between records. <laughs> like a little dancing monkey. <laughs> Clint Boone. Really appreciate your time spending it. Spending us uh, today here in Manchester. It's a sunny day. I hope everybody watching this enjoys another week of music. Um, and we really appreciate your time, mate. And can't right, wait, for the, can't wait Peanut, for the musical. Go on. I was hoping that Peanut the Amster would join us, but he's not oh. out yet. Are you uh, in there, Peanut? Peanut? He's in bed. <laughs> he's in bed. Okay, fair he's enough. Not, he's nocturnal. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Thank you. Anyway, great to see you, brother. Keep Cheers, on good with Cheers, mate. Thanks, Clint. What a lovely soul. Always enjoyed, you know, my conversations with Clint over the years. Uh, within the video of the podcast as well, uh, the video for Clint Boone will be out any day now, so keep a, an eye out on at Twitter. Uh, at Twitter, what am I talking about? At RGM Pod on Twitter. That's where you'll find it. Follow Clint as well. I've put a link to Clint's Twitter account. That's the main one he uses uh, in the description of this podcast, so you can enjoy his work there. Check out all his new projects. Musical. I didn't ask him at the time, but I want to be in it. <laughs> it's not appropriate, is it, to ask? I just, I'd love to be in that. I don't know, I've got myself all giddy, like, giddy about it. 
Uh, but thanks for joining us for another week on the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. The video version is out soon. Uh, for now, you can enjoy us on audio. Later on in the week, there'll be a big uh, uh, post uh, all about the Clint Boone Experience podcast uh, with the picture of him and Liam Gallagher. We'll talk about it on pod. Um, yeah. <laughs> you, when, you, when you don't really have anything to say and you just say, yeah, sometimes, don't you? So, yeah, thanks for joining us for another week, ladies and gentlemen. Next week, we've got a very special guest. I will be announcing it soon on the Twitter page, at RGM Pod. Um, do give us a subscribe on the RGM uh, YouTube channel as well, where all the interviews are. Share it with your friends. Tell the people about it. Thank you. And we'll see you next week. I've been Carl Maloney for another RGM podcast. You've been in the audience and you're very much appreciated. I'll see you next week. See you in a bit, innit? Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Be a part of it with Scott's Menswear, the go-to destination for sports fashion. With a reputation spanning over 30 years, Scott's has a mega brand catalogue featuring Adidas Originals, Nike, Fred Perry, Pretty Green, and many more. Here at RGM, we love the support that they offer us and the music-loving community around us. Check them out at scottsmenswear.com. Hello. Did you know that you can support our podcast in many ways? Within the description of this podcast, you will see a list of all the equipment that we use. These are Amazon affiliate links. Clicking on these links take you to Amazon. If you buy whatever you're planning that week, we get a small kickback and you get a parcel at no extra cost. We would really appreciate your support. Or you can just go old school and donate a pound or whatever you feel is appropriate in there. Please subscribe. Tell a friend about our show. And thank you for your support. And we'll see you next week.